Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place for all things public information related for police, fire, EMS, and local government. An open forum to learn, grow, and develop your public information skills. Your host, Robert Tornabeni, is a public information officer with over 10 years in the field and 27 years of law enforcement background. In each episode, we will explore different aspects of the public information officer profession. Weekly, we will delve into the field of public information by talking to other PIOs. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Good afternoon. Today on the PIO podcast, we have for episode 41, we have Kate Kimball, and she is the Fort Collins Police Department Public Relations Manager. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Kate, uh, tell the listeners about your background and how you started in the field. Sure. Uh, I started my career uh, with a very generic degree in mass communication. Um, I was drawn to communication and I thought um, that it would give me a lot of options when I graduated from college, which was both a blessing and a curse. Um, And I actually started my career in the private sector working in small business marketing. And prior to this, I worked um, for a publishing company and did some graphic design work. Um, But my husband was a police officer for about 10 years before we moved to Colorado. And I saw the impact of the job on him, good and bad. Um, I saw the stress and I saw the stories that weren't getting told. And so um, that was always something that I felt very passionately about first as a a family member of law enforcement. And then when we were looking to just move west to Colorado, um, because we love being outdoors and wanted to raise our family out here, um, I, I happened upon a job description for a police public relations manager. And I didn't even know that that was a job, but it brought together two things that I loved. And that was communication and connecting um, with the public and, um, telling the stories of law enforcement. So I've been with Fort Collins police for just about six years now. And even in that time, I've seen a lot of evolution in our profession and in communication, and it's just a really exciting place to work. So now your, your chief is chief Sabota, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. He's a, he's a transplant from out, out, out by us in Chicago. So yeah. Yeah. So very cool. Kate, you wrote an article in Police One Magazine, the online or paper, whatever it's called nowadays. It's all it's all kind of a mix. Mm-hmm. Silence is not a winning strategy. Why police media leaders must talk in times of crisis. Yes. You state that law enforcement leaders that fall silent during increased times of uh, strife or, or, or public scrutiny, they do things wrong. So explain to me why leaders need to be responsive. First, Absolutely. Well, and I, I want to put a disclaimer on this. This is not, it's something I feel very strongly about. And I also am coming at it from a place of um, everyone has good intentions for the most part. No one's trying to make the wrong choice. I've made choices that I've looked back on and learned the hard way from. And so um, it is a process. I think we are, um, we find ourselves being silent as sort of a default, sort of that uh, freeze, the, the fight, flight, or freeze response. And when it comes to communication, our natural inclination sometimes is just not to say anything and see what happens. Um, unfortunately, that is not a winning strategy because silence is a response. It sends a message and communities will interpret it uh, in a way that is not going to reflect positively on the agency, on the leader, or on our profession. Um, you know, we know that with the speed of digital communication, with the social media environment, the traditional media environment, all um, kind of connecting in that communication space, the story is going to get told. And whether or not we're a part of it um, is our choice. So if we are able to break our own news, if we're able to get out and just say what we know and acknowledge the emotion that's surrounding an issue, 
then we have the opportunity to establish a voice in that conversation and to help influence the narrative. We're never going to control the narrative. And that's really not our job or our right. Um, it's a communication is a, a collective space. And so we can bring a voice and a context and information that is unique to our industry that no one else can provide. And if we choose not to do that, then that's on us. And that's a problem. Great points. And so what would a PIO, what should they be counseling their executive on the things that they should be saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Break your own news and go ugly early. Those are two things that I have lived by in this career. And it's really hard to do when nobody's talking about um, something yet, but you know, it's probably coming or something, information is starting to trickle out, but the, the real, you know, the other shoe is about to drop. Just get it out there, pull off the bandaid, be candid, be transparent and um, be a person. And I, when I say that, I mean, we need to acknowledge the emotions surrounding a situation. I can't emphasize that enough because people aren't going to listen to you until they feel heard. And so it's critical that leaders come out of the gate with that openness and that transparency. Sometimes that's the only thing we have to gain is by showing up first to the conversation and saying, you know what? This is not pretty, but here we are. Here's how we're working through it. Um, Judy Powell ha- does amazing training with Tenant Communications, and she shares the CAP method, that care action perspective method. And that's a great way to create messaging because it acknowledges all those points that are important. That's what people are looking for is um, the care around a situation, the action, what are we doing, what can you do, and the perspective of how does this fit into the larger context. Great points, Kate. Great. Uh, you know, all too frequently, the executives, they're, they're afraid of saying something because they're afraid it's going to be used against them. And mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is they have to say something in order for them to take control of what's going to, what's going to come. Because otherwise, it just, if you go back to just looking at what happened in Ferguson, Missouri, they had five days of no conversation whatsoever. And, the crowd took that conversation away and, and allowed things to become very difficult for them for a long time. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important to note that um, we are not going to be able to avoid difficult conversations one way or the other. So whether we speak or we don't speak, it's still going to be challenging. We're still going to be subject to public scrutiny. Um, and if we don't talk, then, as you said, that conversation is going to just float downstream without us. And we're not going to be able to catch back up with it. We lose the credibility and the opportunity to provide context along the way. Um, and it's just really important, not only for our um, profession, but really truly for our, our public safety and our relationships with our community. Communities that have a positive collaborative partnership with local law enforcement are safer because you can um, you know, use a lot of different resources in the community to prevent crime, to report crime, to solve issues together and collaboratively. And so when we miss that, and when we break trust by not showing up in important conversations, then that's putting us all at risk uh, down the line when we do have other important information to share problems that we need to solve together. I think that's a great way to phrase it, break trust. You know, we put out all the happy pictures on social media and all the fun things. And then at times we want to just huddle up in a corner and not share the bad things that happen because we're afraid that it's going to make us look bad. And we can do both. We just have to be able to be not afraid of doing it. And and you can actually turn a negative into into a positive 
in a in a sense because the event might be completely negative to begin with. But you can recast the image of the department or the agency without allowing it to be cast in a hundred percent negative light. Right. And I think about um discussions about leadership in general and do we want leaders in our workplaces, um, in our politics and anywhere, do we want leaders who pretend they know everything all the time, even though it's obvious that they don't or who don't acknowledge their mistakes, who don't show that authenticity and vulnerability. That's not who we want. We want leaders who know what they're doing and have a skill and competency to do the job and get it done. But we also recognize that they're people and they're committed to whatever our shared goal is. And sometimes they have challenges and they um, can leverage the strengths of the people or the communities around them to solve those problems. It's not like um, they need to be the sole source of the, the solution. And I think that law enforcement could take a page out of that as well. Obviously, we need to have fantastic skills and competency because law enforcement deals with situations um, that are unique and that they're highly trained to be able to handle. But when it comes to some of these community relations pieces and the discussion around why something was done or how it was accomplished, um, I think that approach of, hey, we're a learning organization. We are seeking continuous improvement so that we can continue to serve you and keep ourselves safe and our community safe, that kind of thing. I think that um, that authenticity is critical to um, having that positive community relationship that supports safety and, and just, you know, a more enjoyable um, environment for everybody. And, and this goes into my next question. Why are frequent updates used to affirm the agency's voice in the mm-hmm. discussion? This is interesting. Looking at it from a, um, a crisis communication model, um, broadly speaking, not just for law enforcement, we know that research has shown it's really important both for crisis communication and image repair, image maintenance, um, to provide people with instructing information and adjusting information. So instructing information is more how do you protect yourself? What are the steps you need to take to reduce or prevent harm? Um, so that's the, the action And that's what people are looking for. But there's also the adjusting piece, which is just as important. And that's to provide people with tools to psychologically cope with what's happening, especially in situations that are uncertain or scary and provoke a lot of um, negative emotion. This is where we can shine as leaders as well to provide them with confidence that we are taking steps, that they can take steps to build that self-efficacy and the trust in the system that is trying to resolve um, whatever the issue is. And so I think it's it's important to keep that voice in the conversation because once people know that you're there, then they'll keep coming back to you uh, for more information, especially if it's useful. Um, and it's also critically important for preventing misinformation. We know that misinformation flows very, very quickly online, um, both uh, unintentionally and intentionally with people who are trying to sow the seeds of discord. And so it's really important to have a voice where you can correct um, misinformation and give people good information about what they need to do to, to stay safe or to remedy the issue. And which is amazing because this jumps right in the next question. So you have been a advocate for transparency hubs and portals and, and things like that. And in, in an article that you did about transparency portals, you talked about uh, there were the three questions that came up that were very apparent. It says, why do we keep seeing these headlines? How are you preventing a tragedy like this from happening here at whatever location you're at? And how do I know if I can trust the police? Those three questions are routinely asked in different forms, whatever they could be. So why are transparency hubs important for the department to have? We know that not everyone is comfortable contacting police for various reasons. They may not um, 
want to because of their own kind of perceptions of local law enforcement. They may not have any interaction with police and maybe have never had interactions before. And all they know about law enforcement is what they see on television. They may have come from other countries or places where there is a lot of corruption and violence in law enforcement. Um, we know that there's just a variety of social issues uh, and personal experiences that make people hesitant to contact police. And so by making information available through a transparency hub, a website, somewhere else that's accessible, you take yourself out of it as the middleman where they have to come to you to ask for the information. People deserve to have information about what's going on in their local law enforcement. We exist as a service to our community. And um, it's important that people know how we do. Uh, you know, what does our operation look like on a day-to-day basis? How do we handle certain situations? How do we uh, approach de-escalation and mental health and use of force? If we don't give anyone the information about our local law enforcement, they're going to find it somewhere else. And it's not going to be accurate because it's not reflective of our local reality. Should agencies solely rely on the portal or the hub that they have to release information to the public? No, I think you have to have a really um, integrated approach to releasing information because just from an accessibility standpoint, you know that people receive information in different ways. Um, this is where maintaining positive relationships, positive working relationships with local media comes in handy. If you need to amplify a message, they have the biggest reach. They, their entire business is built on that reach and delivering information. And so we need to make sure that we're making it available to the media. Now, if we host it on our transparency hub or our website as a one-stop shop for folks, that's fine. But we need to make sure we're connecting those dots and um, making sure the media knows to access it there. Social media is another huge part of this. You know that um, different kinds of um, demographics and, and user groups use different kinds of social media platforms. So it's important to make sure that we are consistent uh, across those platforms to ensure that that information is accessible to people. Recent article that Katie Nelson from Mountain View PD wrote for Police Chief Magazine, you were part of the discussion that was going on in the article. You pointed out the importance of listening to what is occurring during digital discussions, and how we have to show up in real time with real answers. So my question is, is why is responding and having a real answer important to the overall reputation of the agency? I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, social media is a kind of a, a wild mosh pit of communication, and it's not an easy place to exist or to communicate, but that's where the conversation is happening. So the question is, if we are going to invest time and resources in having social media, but we're not going to be social there, we're not going to have that dialogic interactive communication, then we're kind of missing the point. Um, again, it can be, it is challenging. And I, I live on social media and there's, there's some tough conversations, but we have so many opportunities in the comment section to um, showcase our agency's values and our operations. We can do this through direct education, um, you know, connecting people to resources or talking about um, elements of our operations that maybe people didn't know about our policies. The other thing too is sometimes you have someone who's just kind of crabby and you're probably not going to change their mind and you know that, but your response is an opportunity to show other people how you respond to negativity. And I think that's going to reflect too on what's going on in the field with officer interactions with people. If they feel like you treat snarky commenters with respect um, and courtesy, then they could potentially, you know, um, transfer that to their impression of how they would expect to be interacted with uh, in the field as well. And on the opposite side, if you don't ever respond to anybody, yeah, the, the same could be said. 
for the negative side of the agency. Right. And those conversations, um, some of the challenging conversations, they can spiral in your comment section as well. And so it's even more, um, and it's just a strange, it feels like a strange scenario. It's like you invite people over your house for a party, but you don't talk to anybody. Um, maybe the guests aren't having a great time, but you could at least talk to them. And I, I think there's that expectation because again, it's social media. That's the whole point. It's not a one-way communication piece. Um, we need to use the tools as they're designed to be used. And that's, that's for interaction. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I agree. And as a public relations person, somebody that has to interact, there there can be steps you can say, okay, I'm not going any farther. I'm not going to get into a war or an argument because we only will lose that in the long run. And then they'll just use that as fuel to, to attack the agency even further. So there's a balancing act, right? Yes, there is. And, you know, I just, I don't mind letting people have the last word. And I, I think you, you kind of got to go into it with that mindset because you share what you can, you correct what you can. But at some point, a lot of people, they've got the time and the energy to go and fight. And I do not have the time or the energy or the desire to fight with anybody on the internet. And so um, I think if I can make information available that I need to, um, I can acknowledge the emotion. I can show up for that conversation. I don't think anyone expects you to stay in the thread and kind of go back and forth. And um, again, like you said, there's no winning that. I do. One of my tactics I use is I offer to take it offline in one way or another. Usually that's in the form of, um, you know, our chief said that he would be more than happy to meet with you to discuss, a, you know, maybe a personal experience you had with our agency that you didn't feel uh, met your expectations. DM us if you'd like to set that up. And that usually goes one of two ways. Either they are quiet and they almost never DM to set it up. Um, or they say, well, why would I do that? You're all a bunch of, you know, liars and cheats anyway. Um, but everybody else sees them and they're like, okay, this person's unreasonable now. So that ends the conversation right. for us in a way that still reflects on our values and our willingness to engage without having to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, excellent. And that is a great way to, to, uh, end it without necessarily having to, you know, fight them over it. Excellent job. Excellent. Where do you see law enforcement and social media going in say the next five years? I think it's really up to us as a profession. Um, my hope is that we will continue to find innovative ways to use these tools and connect with our community members. Um, but it's not a replacement for boots on the ground conversations with folks. I think it is a, a necessary spoke in the wheel of communication um, that's going to lead to that trust and the, the collaboration in our communities. And so my hope is that we will find those ways to, to evolve with the platform. So we look at you know Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Those have changed a lot, even in the six years that I've been here. Um, so they're coming up with new tools and, and it, it can be tough. I mean, the new pages features and things that just rolled out on Facebook. It's frustrating to navigate new, new changes and the, the layout and the interaction just seems like they make them for the sake of changing things. But 
Um, we've got to just roll with it. I know I've seen a number of places using TikTok to engage with their audiences. And we just need to continue conversing with our community on the channels that the discussion is happening. So right now that's the social media platforms that we are, um, you're, we're used to seeing, but that will continue to evolve. And we just need to evolve with that, whether it's on a social media platform or whatever the newest technology that we haven't imagined is. Great way to sum up what could be and what should be the changes that we need to, to adapt with social media. So let's go into some rapid fire questions. We'll lighten it up a little bit here. All right. Um, your drink of choice. Coffee. Black, Coffee. black cold brew. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Favorite food? I'm going to be a weirdo and I'm going to say like ridiculous salads, like the really big giant ones, not just like a couple pieces of lettuce, but like a really good hefty salad. You get some variety there. Okay. What inspires you? This feels very cliche to say or like the right answer, but it's so true. It's, it's our cops. Um, the good cops who are doing just impossible work. It's increasingly impossible. Um, every day it seems like, and I see people show up not only doing these acts of heroism and bravery, but they're just kind and compassionate and they go out of their way quietly to do things that I, it just blows my mind when I see and, and hear these stories that in the environment that they're dealing with, um, both from a social standpoint and just the job itself, that they still manage to be these incredible hearts. Um, it's just, it makes me stand taller and, and want to do my best in all walks of life. I agree with you on that. You see the compassion and dedication to a very difficult field every day across the country. And the very few that do things that are negative um, are far outweighed by the hundreds of thousands that do positive every day. What is a book you would recommend to the audience and why? All right, everybody go get yourself a copy of um, The Revolts of the Public and the Crisis of Authority in the New Millennium. It's a very long title. It's about as indicative of the size of the book. It's pretty big uh, text as well, but it's by Martin Gurry, excuse me, Martin Gurry. And it will explain all the things we know <laughs> about social interaction, the rise of social media, its impact on society and trust or lack of trust in authority. And it, it is by far um, the best book that I've read probably in the last 10 years. And I will put a copy of that as a link to Amazon uh, to find it in the show notes. We'll tell you what, I'll add to this as well, because the copy that I received was gifted to me by a friend who said, you absolutely have to read this. So if somebody tweets at me, the first person who either tweets or DMs me, I will send you a copy because it is that worth reading. Awesome. Very cool. Nice. Very nice offer. Uh, final thoughts. Anything you'd like to add? Um, PIOs, communicators, cops, anybody who's listening to this, um, please make time to take care of yourself. This is something we, we talk a lot about necessarily um, around officer safety and wellness and it's something I think we need to continue to translate as well into the communication space, um, especially after the last year. Um, this is a tough job. It's a tough field. And sometimes, a lot of times, we don't have boundaries between work and real life because we are dealing with social media. We're dealing with crisis. We're waiting for the shoe to drop. We're doing um, communication in the aftermath of crisis. And so it can feel like, and our, um, our staff psychologists, we're very fortunate to have a staff psychologist for employees at Fort Collins Police, um, he recently told me, uh, Kate, it is a part of your job to take care of yourself. So if you're not going to just do it for yourself, because it's, you know, it's an important part of being human, 
um, do it for your job because you have got to keep your, you know, sharpen the axe and take time throughout your day. Cause you know, it's great if you can go on a vacation and decompress for a week, um, but you're going to come back, you're going to have a million emails and you're going to be right back where you started. So build habits in your day, taking a walk, making sure you're hydrating, just these little steps um, to make sure you are bringing yourself back to this balanced place because it is critical. It's important for you. It's important for your job, but really it's, it's just, um, it's the right thing to do for yourself. So please take care of yourselves. And we're going to, we're going to be interviewing Jeff Thompson uh, soon. And the whole discussion is about uh, wellness and health for the public information person. Um, so that one of the things that I, when he did the NAOA presentation, um, I made sure that I'm going to get him on so we can talk about that. Outstanding. Everybody. So how can people best reach out to you if they want to learn more or possibly connect? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's FC Kimble, uh, K-I-M-B-L-E. It's kind of a weird spelling in my last name. Um, you can email me as well. That's kkimble, K-K-I-M-B-L-E at fcgov.com. Um, and if you shoot me a message on either of those, I'm always happy to chat online, um, take a phone call. We can, we can just discuss. Um, I love hearing about cool ideas that people have come up with and just different ways you're interacting with their community. So if you've got something compelling that you want to share, I'm all ears. Um, cause again, we're, we're a growing city and we're always looking to, um, improve our outreach and engagement with the community. So I love hearing from other PIOs about what's working for you. Outstanding, Kate. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to, to spend 30 minutes and, and discuss public information stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that was Kate Kimball from Fort Collins Police Department. Thank you for being on the show. hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to contact the show please email us at the pio podcast at gmail.com be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode if you are listening on a platform that allows reviews please give us a review we appreciate any review good or bad it helps us improve on each episode until next time be safe